And of course, we have senior leadership of Torque New York, starting with Pastor Tony Cassis. Hello, friends and family members. Pastor Nathan Cassis. Hi. And Dr. Robin Cassis. Hi, guys. Well, guys, we are back for another episode, but just like any other episode, it's different than the last. So we just welcome you all. We are already on our Portals Live audience. They are all checking in, saying hello, sending us their likes and hots as we open this subject up. If you were around last week, you remember we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare. And, you know, cleaning up the house. Just a little. Just a little. What did we call it? That's the, uh, the right to bear arms, right? That's what it was called. Is that what we called? Mm-hmm. The no. seminar last week. The we seminar, had, yes. Yeah. Was the right to bear arms in spiritual warfare. And I must say, in addition to that, Dr. Robin, I found my Demolishing Strongholds course notes that you taught in 2017. Okay. Three, exactly three years, almost exactly three years from our spiritual warfare class where you you guys broke down the principalities and such as well. And that was a good refresher, I tell you, to uh, just take some things into your arms. <laughs> I say that, put your armor on. Put your armor on. Where's Zeke? Anywho. And what did we learn? Oh, my gosh. So, first what, of all, last what, week... We what were, did you learn? I learned a lot. For one, how much I put these things on the shelf, I'll tell you that much, and not equip myself with the things and the tools and the keys that we've been talking about and applying them and dethroning some people because, I, I you know, just from a personal experience, just been feeling that, you know feeling stuck in a sense and the Lord keeps saying Shanae you're equipped to handle this it's not as big as your you know is telling uh, you right. yeah. so use yeah. your tools and your keys to get it and then this this last seminar we took uh help sh- show me those tools that I haven't been using this whole time and then when I found the demolishing strongholds the details of the tools reaffirmed what was already being said Saturday. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, she did say this back then in 2017, three years ago, four years ago now. Wow, four years ago. Speaking of things that are coming to pass, we have season casting coming up. Oh, yes. We've got a friend called Gregory Reed. Yeah, Greg. Oh, hi, Dr. Greg Greg is on from our conference. Oh, good. Hi, 
Oh my gosh, I just ran across my video from Dr. Greg, great seminar. to have you on with Portals. Yeah, good to have you. Great good to, to have, have you. Blessing you. my friends. Blessing to you too. As well, yes. Um, we yeah. also have our SRA conference coming up. Yes, we have yes, a lot of conferences we do. coming up. We're not stopping nothing. No. And we have season passing coming up. And it's a big, big one. Oh, wow. So start preparing your hearts. Right. Because yeah, the I word of the so Lord doesn't stop going forward. I no think so because the world life. is definitely not stopping. Nope. I'm telling you. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, Isn't that right? before we go into tonight's thing, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Okay. Because we want to get people more involved. Okay. So yeah, we're going involved. to give a quick just time for people to ask some questions. Oh, okay. About any question that they have. On the any of one of the portals oh, okay. that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Well, what was last week? And then I'm going <laughs> to post a poll to find out what people's kind of response is. And that will get gauge us to how we go into tonight's topic, ah. which is more than appreciation. So if you've got any questions... About anything. anything. It just better not be about cars because that's one or, you but know, Pastor Tony can answer How about ones. if you just give us um, just a reminder of yeah, last week? So oh. if you've got any questions Headings. on congruence, spirit, yep. soul and body, yep. and being uh-huh. in sync. Um, also, if you've got questions on um, Holy Spirit energy, you know, energio. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that we've just recently done is uh, goodness versus positivity. Yes. Another one yes. that we did was extremes. Extremes, yeah. Another one that we did was anyone remember? Um, oh my gosh. Goal or oh yes, journey, that was a good one. Was it yes, it was something no. like that. State of being versus goals. State of yes. being versus yeah. goal yeah. orientation. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of them. So I'll just go over a couple of the titles because. Uh, so you can give people an, an understanding right. of what ones they might want to They've been ask taken or. down from Facebook now and they're going up on Talk TV. So if you can't Who see is? it on Talk TV, the portals. The videos. You've got to go to Talk TV. Hi, um, Josh. Last week's one was, uh, the week before was Get Booked. Yes. yes. Oh, Josh said he that, wrote yeah. I thought we were going to call it Book em Jesus, wasn't it? No, no Book Get Booked. Uh, we have <laughs> Fight or Flight, Extremes. Disciple or follower? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Um, we also have face it, your own revelation. Yeah. Um, and I'll go back one more. Um, and yeah, about four Three weeks ago, indeed. Energio healing power. Mm-hmm. Um, the pa- healing power of the Holy Spirit, the energy uh, of the Holy Spirit. Remember, free indeed. Free indeed is a good one. Yes. But indeed. up to eleven weeks yes. ago, after the fact. Oh. These are all really, We're really... We're asking our audience to remember quite a bit there, Nate. Well, I oh, mean, they might a, have had a question just they might on have one tried thing. To, they might have been applying something and need some assistance. Right. Because yeah. that's what Portals is about. I right. mean, just the list we just read out is so rich. Seriously, yes. you could live off that. Literally. But are we very, living very off rich. of it? Oh! So if you have <laughs> any questions about anything or if you... Have a question. Look, you've got your private audience, sort of, with Dr. Robin and Pastor Tony. See, that's how powerful it is out here. Things are falling <laughs> the off the The earth set. is shaking. Um, so, <laughs> look, take the they advantage. Ask Pastor Robin, ask Pastor Tony, and me and Shania will chime in as contributing voices. But take advantage of getting the wisdom of our leaders right now. 
and don't miss the opportunity. I'm sure someone needs some help with their walking in faith this week, especially in places that are being faced with a lot of stuff. So let's see some questions come up. Let's get you guys interacting and not just consuming Spectating. but contributing Ooh. into this thing. Wow. And then while you're doing that, I'm going to post a poll that we want to find out what you believe is the number one thing. The poll says, what do you think stops God's love from being evident in your life? And your choices are performance, your understanding of who you are, your understanding of who God is, or living by your own interpretation of life. So Ooh. answer those answer questions. Wow, it came up on my screen. I feel pressure. Uh, oh, wait, it went away now. Answer those questions and let's see what you respond with. I'm and we'll get an, an insight. Did you just type them up? Yep. Yeah. We'll get an insight to where we want to go tonight oh. and how we want to respond. I just wanted to, yeah, I see it. Uh, Sinead, you, you said that the portal was about spiritual warfare. Actually, this is the portal after the spiritual warfare conference. So we haven't actually done one on spiritual no, warfare. But I wanted to... We did to congruence right after. It was on Saturday congruence, night. Congruence, yeah. yeah, but that was different. Which is... But I wanted, I wanted to ask a question oh, to the question. audience, right? No. So um, I'll give you a scenario. Because the spiritual warfare conference, no, I felt, was... It was uh, consecutive to two other spiritual warfare seminars that we've conducted in the last couple of years. A man's in a prayer meeting in Washington, D.C., and he stands up and he binds the devil over Washington, D.C., and he, and he casts him out of Washington, D.C., right? And he doesn't even live in Washington, He gets up the next morning... And nothing has changed in D.C. Mm. Did he have an effect on the city? Can I just interrupt one second? People are looking and asking for E, all of the above. This is what... Okay, we understand that all of those things can contribute to stopping God's love. But there's one main thing that you hold to that you believe above all else. There's one thing. So choose one. If you had to choose one, choose one. Back to Pastor Tony. Pastor, I haven't got it up on mine. Do I join in on this one? You're not part of the club, Pastor. Uh, but I pressed the wrong one. I know what the answer is, but can I get rid of it? Oh, there we go. It'll come back up. Yeah, put it back up again so I can do it. Sorry, Pastor. Continue. I was just saying we have... Most of the church has got really bad theology about... Uh, deputized authority, right, or delegated authority, and a lot of a lot of Christians have an extremist view where they believe they have absolute authority, or they underestimate what the cross has done for them. And so, you need to actually tune into the two spiritual warfare seminars to get more clarification. Uh, our church has been fighting over strongholds over the capital and the nation now for almost five months, right? But we're not doing it in a flippant, um, presumptuous way. We understand that when millions of people are giving 
the devil's space in the heavens, it's going to be a fight. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that the spiritual realm is, is um, democratic. You've got to have the numbers. No. God and one is a majority. But it is a legal system up there, and the church um, is busy at the moment giving the enemy place where he shouldn't have. Remember, Paul says in, in his letters, you know, don't let the sun go down on your, on your anger and don't give place for the devil. And so just as a quick personal question, because Pastor Nate and Dr. Robin brought, right at the very end of our seminar, they brought a very special spin on both corporate victory and personal victory. But in your personal victory alone or your personal assessment, think of how many areas in your life where you may have given the devil space or place. That automatically is under the grace of God. But when you try and enforce something, when you yourself are failing in that area, you're hitting a brick wall. Nothing's going to move. And so I, I'm just putting that out there to whet your appetite. Get on to Talk TV, get your subscription, and get to listening in to the seminar. It'll help, you, it'll help your spiritual victories come to pass more frequently. That's all. I think that um, to go along with that, um, I, I think that when we... You know, sometimes we don't even realise what we're doing. We're doing warfare and we're just visiting the town. Do you understand? Yeah. It's like, um, remember when we first came to America and uh, we were part of the UN prayer thing? Intercessory prayer yeah. meeting, yeah. And uh, we were on that big... Uh, Circle line cruise. Yes, we're on that. And we were supposed we, to be we praying. We hired the whole ship and we were interceding we're around Manhattan for yeah. three hours. So mm. we were supposed to be praying as we went round different places. And I heard one person pray about uh, New York City. And they weren't even from New York City. They weren't even from the country. And the comment was something like... Um, you know, judge, you know, uh, New York needs to be judged. America needs to be judged, you know, and that's God's will to judge America. And I said to Tony, because I was on a fast at the time, and I said to Tony, I can't amen that prayer. And uh, I, I, I don't know if I got the opportunity to speak to that person afterwards but I spoke to someone else and I said I can't amen that prayer and the comment was why and I said well does he live in New York mm. is he going to live in New York mm. or does he live in America even or is he just visiting it's so easy to pray a prayer like that when you're not even on the ground you, you're just visiting. So I told this person, I said, if you're going to pray a prayer like that, mm -hmm. stick around. 
You have to see it through. And you're not going to see it through in one day. So you what? So you've got to stick it through to see every part of it. And that means, Shania, you've got to pray every time something's happening as a part of that prayer mm -hmm. or that statement or that proclamation or even that prophecy. You've got to hang around. Prophets Thanks hung kingdom. around. They didn't just come and visit. Yeah. They hung around. Yeah, I don't think any prophet that was a major ministry in the Old Testament just casually walked up to a city, like, for instance, the prophets of Judah very rarely went to Israel to prophesy and vice versa. There was an occasion where Elijah or Elisha had, have crossed the border. Um, but usually the prophets who prophesied in both nations, Elijah was actually a prophet to the northern kingdom, which was more wicked than Judah. So his ministry was right in the midst of apostasy. Mm. And yet he's probably one, one of the, you know, the big three out of the Old Testament. But um, they lived, Jeremiah lived in Jerusalem when it fell. Isaiah prophesied the fall, cost him his life under uh, King Manasseh. Mm. Ezekiel, he was there when they took away the first captivity. They all felt the pain of their families being affected. And, and Pastor and I just felt when we were, you know, on that intercessory cruise, these people from outside, uh, very easy to say, God, judge New York because of its darkness. And then they go back to their countries the next day. Right. And they're not affected at all. And it's this is something that we actually talk about in advancing in the prophetic. And I think that what Michael Aboot said here is really good. Yep, amen, Dr. Robin Elijah prophesied himself in the to the same famine yep. he declared over Israel. So he just didn't declare it and then left town. Mm. Well, it affected him. He had to actually get fed by God. I think that's important to mention because too um, important. whenever believers hear spiritual warfare, I think, you know, with what's going on in the world right now to do with what's going on in Afghanistan, we know the form of what extremism does. And I think sometimes as Christians, we take on an extremist mindset yeah. of like, oh, I can just deal with the devil whenever I want over anything I want. Yeah. And that's a kind of, let's say it, jihadi kind of mindset when it comes to spiritual warfare. I yeah. think but so I remember too. Dr. Robin teaching us one really, really powerful thing in abiding in Christ. You have no authority where you have no love. Amen. And so if there's no love, meaning if there's no love for what God's doing in a place, if there's no love for what God's doing in the people, there's yeah. no authority to command the atmosphere. And I think that's why Jonah missed it so big because yeah. he had no love for yeah, what God was yeah. doing in Nineveh. It's, he it's just wanted right to see them on. destroyed. Yeah. And that's why he right could not on. be used by God to negotiate, yeah. you know, he a spiritual He went there attack. to judge. Yeah. He went there to bring great judgment on them. And because God's grace came upon them yeah. and he was keyed up for judgment, he wasn't keyed up for love. Yeah. And therefore when it happened, it's real mood. And I think that's really important because at the moment, you know, with all of the persecution on the church, we could find it very easy to just try and move in the dynamic of kingdom authority.
But we have to remember that kingdom authority comes through love because God is love. Yes. And there is no authority where there is no love. So it's very easy for us to point our fingers. Like I'm looking at today at the articles that I'm reading about Afghanistan and it's oh, breaking yes. my heart. You know, and I'm reading stories about believers that are saying... Children. Um, you know, they expect to meet Jesus within, within the next four hours because the Taliban's coming knocking on their doors. Yeah. But yet they're not giving, you know, like these notes to their followers or people that they're in contact with, like, you know, just pray that these people are destroyed. Pray that all this, all they're saying is just pray that we're strengthened in faith, yep. that we're bold and that the love of God exudes so strong that even these people get saved just when like, they come to kill us. Like Stephen. And that yep. has more authority in it than them saying, you know, Remove take vengeance. from us. They love their lives even unto yeah. death. And, and no, it's more, it's more because what they're doing is they're being martyred. They're being martyred. But they are not asking to be removed out of it. They need to be brought through it. Yeah. And Stephen was stoned and he was brought through it. And so our prayer has to be, whatever happens, God, you be with them and let them see you all the way through it. Because what more can we do right here? We can get on our face. We have this attitude as the church. Are we going to pray about of it? Yeah. No. Extremists. I want to pray them through it. When I heard what I heard today, I said, God, I'm empty. What can I give them? And all the Lord was impressing upon me was pray them through it. And that doesn't make God a bad God because he's telling me to pray them through it. You see, he loves them and adores them. They are paying such a price. But and that's Pastor, what we want to talk about Isn't tonight. it funny? The same prayer that we're praying for them is the same prayer that the Holy They're Spirit's putting on their heart to pray, to pray for, us. for us. Because we could be in a worse situation exactly. than some Taliban exactly. coming knocking on our door and telling us, right, deny Christ or be shot. Yeah. We're taking your children. Yeah, because for us it's the convenience that becomes the greatest testing tool. For them, the testing tool is, you know, their confession. Like, And again, in the post that I was reading from one of the organizations that's been working, and did you know, I did not know this, the underground church in Afghanistan is the it's second the biggest, biggest church in oh, the world. I thought second it was to China. the biggest. It is the second biggest church ever yeah. since the last 20 years. The gospel has been preached so quickly and so rapidly that it's grown to be the second biggest underground church. I was reading on that. Yeah, and I heard so many that. Christians. I actually heard that today, but that just shows me. Uh, see, it's not based on programs. Yeah, to grow that church that big, it's not based on programs. It's not ba based on uh, formulas. Yeah. it's not based on that. The, the church what? in Iran is also quickly growing too. And pastor. so, yeah. what is the thing that it's based on? Faith, grace. Love. Love. All the above. It's funny because I remember a comedian that we watched called Danny Boy and he uses this example of how 
Scottish kids growing up, you know, their mum would say to them, like, you know, make sure you eat your black pudding because there's kids in Africa that, you know, would wish that they could have the opportunity well, we to wouldn't eat, eat stuff black like that. Pudding, it's but full of then blood. he said that there's kids in Africa because black pudding's so disgusting. Their mum would tell them, make sure, you know, you eat your food because otherwise you'll have to eat what the kids in Scotland are eating. But it's like that. It's like yeah. that the church in Afghanistan. And, they, and the kids would say, well, if they like it so much, send it to them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the church in Afghanistan has been told by the Holy Spirit to pray us through, to pray the Western church okay. through. Because Why? it's so, Why? so easy just because to... Because there's lukewarmness. This is it. Because oh. it's the, because we're, the church is in what? Laodicea times. Yeah, our, our, our death is slow. Theirs totally. is a little bit this more faster. Yeah, there They're it is. They're faced with death face to face, whereas our the devil slowly kills the Western church, you know, with with worldliness, with greed, with lust. He slowly kill he slowly kills it. So like before the frog in the in the in the boiling water kind of syndrome. So before we get into this whole thing, because we're going to go back to the pole and rein it into where we're going, there's a question that came in. Um, Amanda has a question to you, Pastor Tony. She says, I think it was last week's portal or maybe the seminar where Pastor Tony mentioned not begging before God because we are sons and daughters, not slaves. That pleading is okay. Can you please give an example of what the difference between pleading and begging is so we can understand? Mm, um, again, I go back to the scripture, Amanda. Uh, Paul pleaded with the Lord three times about the thorn in his side that Satan had placed there. And it wasn't a begging. He was basically saying, Lord, you know, can you find room for me to have this thing out of my life? He wasn't, you know, like crying and begging like a beggar would to a, a master. And so really the point I was making was there was a time in my life where I would, con I would, I would continually beg the Lord to move on my behalf of things that I felt he needed me to have or my family needed to have. And, and then one morning early, he said to me, Tony, stop begging. You're not a slave. Slaves beg. And you're a son. Ask with boldness. Um, and that way I would fully engage the grace of God through the cross. I, I devalue the cross when I beg God to move on my behalf. And that's not being arrogant. It's just taking full advantage of the grace of God. Grace is good. Grace is God. And there's no other word that you can use to describe grace, right? Seeing that he sent Jesus to the cross for us, start there. And, and again, I quote out of Romans, He who gave up his only son, how shall he not also with him give us all things? Right? I think... So, our stance should be one of not privilege, not right, but understanding that the Father is on our side and we don't have to win him over. We, we've already been won over to God. Yeah. I think we, good. we can come from a, a different angle uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, she mentioned the two words. What were the words? Begging or pleading. You see, I'm coming from that angle. I'm... Yeah. I'm not coming from more the faith angle. I'm coming from you at a place where you uh, beg or you plead, which seem similar. They're similar. Uh, and so 
when you question, because questioning is in that part of pleading and begging, you see? But I've found that we need to inquire. If we inquire, then we're not questioning God. We're not um, putting it to the place where we're saying, do you know what you're talking about, Lord? But you're saying, I'm questioning how it's done and I, because I want to be a part of what you're doing and if I can understand it, I can work with it better. Whereas if I work on the questioning, it's all negative all the way down the line and it's, it's always towards him. What are you doing? What are you doing? If it's inquiring, could you help me to understand what you're doing so that I can work with you in this one? So LaCora asks, is inquiring and asking synonymous? Pastor Robin. Uh, go ahead, you answer that. I think inquiring oh, so is, is. Yeah, so it is. is. I think, it yeah. Is. I think it, it is. But it's it's the motive in which you ask. Yeah, it's all tied to the, posi the position by which you ask. Yeah. When you, it, when you beg God, you're not sure that he loves you. That's right. It's it all is. to do with that. That's yeah. why I said, I didn't want to say it's negative, but it leans yeah. towards that, that all the time. Yes, they are synonymous. Mm. And I know that the Lord has not a problem with the questioning, but he does have a problem with the, you know, you. You mean the inquiry? I'm sorry, the inquiry, but he does have a problem with the questioning. We have some new um, people on with us. So hello for one. Thank you for watching. Um, just to catch you up to speed, we're just allowing the viewers and anyone watching to just ask us some questions. Mm -hmm. If you're new to us, you may not understand as far as the different titles and where we're drawing from. But even if you just have a question on your heart um, concerning, even if it's the times we're in, just anything you need clarity on, uh, we'll bestow some grace and try to answer it yep. for you. Um, oh, that's just... Someone making a comment, which yeah, is great. Souffle says, questioning is coming from a place of lack, a lack of faith. I believe, too, um, when I heard you say that. I don't know if I agree with that. But anyway, that's for some, some other time. Sure. Because I remember Rebecca asking the Lord, mm -hmm. what's going on? Remember the twins were tossing mm -hmm. in her tummy and she didn't know what was going on? She was inquiring. Yeah. I don't know if it's wrong to question God, but uh, maybe you might not like the answer he gives. I think you know one I mean? comes from a motive of, um, it's like begging and pleading. Begging comes from the motive of it not the finished work is not enough. Subconsciously you believe that it's not enough, so you have to do something. Here comes the performance element. I have to do something. I have to do something to make it be enough. So if I, if I beg, if I act like this, it'll be enough. Whereas pleading is... It's more than enough. So because of the finished work of the cross and because of your character, God, I'm going to plead with you to intervene because of who you are. Sure, yeah, that's, so, really, that's so great. Uh, so one great comes from not understanding who God is, 
yeah. and not understanding the finished work. Why don't we go to Jesus? And one under- comes from understanding it so much so that you plead on that behalf. That's what the difference is to Maybe me. we just go back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did he question? Did he inquire? Did he plead? Did he beg? He didn't beg. Right, so we knocked plead. that one out. He did plead. Did he plead? Yes, pleading in a way. But did he question God or did he inquire of God? I don't think he questioned God. Uh, because he said, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Yeah. If it's possible, here comes the questioning. If uh, the inquiring, if it's possible, remove this cup, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be yeah. done. Yeah. See, the inquiring is... I know you're doing it. I know it's happening. I know it's the best for me. But let me ask you, is it okay if you share with me so that I can work with you on this? That's how inquiring works. And I believe he was inquiring. Very good. Very good. Wow, 30 minutes in. Yeah, I know, right? You guys are going for it. Yes, we're going to take a... (laughs) No, not at all, actually. We're going to just take a quick break so we can just go over the poll and give guys a few more last opportunities to answer any questions and say hello to our new people that are watching as well. So we'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, just uh, it sound like a lot yeah. of, <laughs> lot like, of traffic right. moving through my <gasps> head. Oh. Not ungodly traffic, I hear but you. a lot. You got to get it on record. Yeah. So spill away, team. Oh, we have someone here. Yo, that's... Happy Lu Chong. Hello. Our friend who Angie. visited us. Hi. Last hey, in portals. I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing you. your name, sis. God bless you. She I says, don't know, is she hi, from Malaysia, everyone. Mate? Yes, Malaysia. Yeah. God bless the Malaysians. They're in a bit of a tough situation as well. That's right. Yeah. All right. So right before the break for our Spotify listeners, we took a poll. And if you remember, we said the what the poll was, which was where... What do we think in our personal lives that prevents us from the love of God? Was that the exact question, Pastor Nate? Uh, yes. What is it that you think most? We know that everything can yes. be contributed in there. If you were to pick a, one yeah. of those answers, which one can would you, you pick? One is it? a more correct answer. So um, it's not that it's right or wrong, but one is more correct you know, immediate to what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and more effective. And more effective and more, you know, important. Is it too late to post it again for the new people on? Um, It says that it's active. I think they just have to go scroll across to where it says polls um, at the bottom of their phone. Oh, let's see. Where there's like a comment thing there. If they scroll across. Oh, respond to poll. There you go. So if you click the three dots... It says respond to poll, you'll see it. 
Okay, for our new people on, click the three dots at the bottom of your screen and hit I've responded twice respond already. Respond to poll. Yeah, I have to. All right. So, anywho. Oh, wait. Where's my comment? Oh, hello. Here we go. So, we need to move into our subject. Yeah, we're talking about more than appreciation. And people that probably might not understand what that is, but. um. I'm going to read something from one of the texts that I've been studying because I can't word it as good as this man who's my teacher and I'm doing his course, Heart Physics. It's really, really good. It's learning about to live from the heart. But can we please first get um, some of the, uh, you know, have a look at some of the answers? Yes, sure. We can post yeah, the poll. Yeah, because otherwise It'll show it's where people, not effective. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm actually really, really excited to say that um, our people really, really know what they know their stuff. <laughs> uh, let me go into the polls. Okay, 23% say performance is the thing that stops us from seeing the love of God being evident in our life. Uh-huh. All right, 18% say your understanding of who you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, 23% say your understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. and 36% say living by your own interpretation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put that in the video right now. Everyone will be able to see the actual results. And um, most of you have discerned correctly, and it's actually living by your own interpretation. And uh, we want to go into this because we want to talk about the effect that the soul has to input information into our spirits and funny enough going back to real relationships how we form a world construct based on what we think but what we think of ourselves and how we see god um they're always intertwined so it's not that it's a wrong answer the second option your understanding of who you are you'll understand who you are when you understand who god is i think let me go into it sure the answer which would encapsulate the whole lot is the last one. Yes. Whereas the other ones would be separate, one or two, one or two. But the last one is the one that encapsulates, if that's the right word. Encapsulates, that, yep. Yeah, the whole lot. Yep. Totally that, agree. That brings in the question for everything. Totally agree. So, um, funny enough, like these questions um, are particularly linked um, because performance robs you of understanding who God is. Performance robs you from understanding who you are. And then that also, performance also robs you from interpreting God's love the right way. So, they're all not synonymous, but they all have a linkage. Um, I'm going to read this thing to you, all right? And then I'll let Pastor Tony and Pastor Robin... Um, really contribute because this is a really, really powerful word. It's a bit long, but go with me, all right? So in this chapter um, from Heart Physics, which is the course, we're actually learning scientifically about the electromagnetic field of the heart and how it's three times stronger than the electromagnetic field of the brain. So when we live from our hearts, um, meaning the senses and the processes of the body, when we live from a place of our heart, meaning the spirit part of our heart, And I can send uh, the team a little diagram to show because we always hear that term in scripture, you know, 
the heart, the heart, the heart. And yeah. sometimes like the word in Hebrew means like the seed of your emotions. Sometimes it means the physical heart. I mean, I've taught in spiritual roots of disease, like 80% of the time, it's never meaning the physical heart. It's always meaning the spiritual heart in the Hebrew. So there's a really big, we, you know, we unlocking We need to there. work in, the, in uh, our senses spiritually. Yes. We always try to do spiritual things with natural things. We need to use spiritual things with our spiritual senses. Mm-hmm. And then we would not be off, and we would not be having to be aligned. Would be working with the spirit, with spiritual things, and then with spiritual operation. You know, our Definitely. senses. Our senses. We have five senses that are spiritual, and five natural senses. Definitely. And we often, we all the time use our natural senses to discern spiritual things. Yeah. And so we need to do, not, we don't need to do that anymore. And actually, um, just to give the science part of it, that's my favourite part, there's an actual um, measuring that you can do now. Scientists, uh, HeartMath Institute, they've actually found a device that can they measure what's called heart rate variability. So when you're, when you're not living at a place of rest, which is an abiding state, um, you're always living in a stress response, not a, not a rest response. So there's a, there's a key word there. Are you living in a rest response or a stress response? Because a stress response will always throw, throw the heart out of continuity and also consistency. So heart rate variability goes up and down. One beat is maybe 30%, and then the next beat is maybe 70%. So there's an irregularity of the strength of the heartbeat. So scientists have learned that when this irregularity takes place, and doctors, um, a lot of things in the body fall out of alignment. Like we talked about cells, we talked about systems. But spiritually, we talked about it last week, congruence. When the heart, the soul, and the, and the body, meaning also the, mainly the mouth, are in alignment. There's a, ter- a perfect unison within that Trinitarian structure, like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our lives begin to unleash a spiritual flow. We can't get that flow until our heart, our soul, and our mouth, our confession, are all in the same space. Yeah. So I can't think it alone. I can't feel it alone. I have to feel it, then think it, then speak it. Yeah. And I think that the, when you brought out this stress and rest, the scripture doesn't ever cover stress. The, the scriptures only cover anxiousness. That's not stress. And so if you look at rest, it's covered in the scriptures. And to into thou rest. It never mentions stress. It mentions being anxious. And you see, mm. if you look at that pastor, you can see one is a natural thing and one's a spiritual thing. He allows for anxiousness, concern. Anxiousness, I look at it more like concern. It doesn't 
um, apply to lack of faith or anything like that. You're concerned. But when you talk about stress, that means your body is starting to take over. Your soulish area is starting to move because you are moved by the outside circumstances that will bring the stress upon you. The anxiousness is not from the outside. You can be anxious in your spirit how God is moving. And he gives the solution. Prayer with supplication, thanksgiving, even fasting can bring the anxiousness down. All right, let's move. All right, so I... I messaged a graphic to the team and I want them to bring it up. John, if you just bring that up, check your um, message. I just sent it to you. So it's important to understand where the heart lies between soul and spirit because there's a lot of wrong teaching um, and this will be, you know, kind of instrumental to our topic tonight because our heart is not all spirit and it's not all soul. It's a mix of both. So when I bring this diagram up, I hope that it brings clarity to where a lot of people have probably felt, well, hang on, I got my spirit, my soul and my body and then I got my brain and I got my heart. There's so many things. Where do they all fit? Um, I know some people have felt like that, you know. But um, I'll read this thing and uh, John, you can bring that graphic up, please. That would be great. So our body has five senses, taste, touch, smell, sight and hearing. These five senses are what provide our ability to experience the physical Newtonian world. Our spirit has at least five parallel senses. We've learned this in communion with God. Yeah, I've it in, in abiding. We know this because they are all mentioned in Scripture. For example, hear the voice of the Lord. If you have ears to hear and eyes to see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Smell the sweet aroma are just a few general references. There may be more senses, but what matters is that our spirit, which gives us contact with the spiritual world, while our body gives us contact with the physical world. Nearly all theologians agree that the soul is the home of our mind, emotions, and most people would say will. This is a fairly safe deduction from scripture. The soul, like the body and spirit, is neither good nor bad. The soul is the part of us where we emotionally experience the input received from the physical or spiritual world. So let's, it's not, it's not a high definition picture, but let's tighten this up a bit. So the soul, if you can see here, takes input from either a physical or a spiritual world. That's right. So the soul, you can see, I can't, maybe if we could just move that light, Shania, because... Oh, there we go. You can see it on your end. Perfect. There you go. So the soul, you can see here, is in the middle. It's either taking five sensual inputs from hearing, taste, touch, smell, or sound from the physical world, or it's taking five spiritual senses input from the physical world. Now, the heart, is the combining of the soul and the spirit. So it lies between the spirit and the soul right there. Wow. Okay. I've never seen it depicted like yeah. that. Yeah. So what happens with your heart is your heart is not all spirit and no. it's not all soul. True. Right. So you can feel in your heart, but you can also be moved by the spirit alive oh in your heart God. because when you accepted yeah. Jesus' spirit, you became alive wow. in spirit. Wow. And this is what I taught. Spirit first, yes. then soul, and then the effects body. Yep. But 
the way the world is teaching the church to do it is body, soul, spirit. It's in reverse. Mm -hmm. What affects out there affects in and then eventually layers around the spirit. Yes, spirit, soul, body, yeah. Mm. So if you can see from here, now the brain sits between the soul and the body. So your brain is not your mind. When scripture says mind, it's talking about mainly your soul. Okay, so if you want to like kind of paraphrase it, you could put mind above that little um, you know, title there that says soul because the mind feeds information to the brain yes. and then the brain feeds the information yes. through to the body. So it's all yes. an information station coming in. So wow. this is really important because you'll understand that when you live based on your soul and not from your heart, yeah. your soul, if you look at this diagram, it's not in contact with the spirit. Yep. There has to it's be a go-between. So if you're living based on soulish emotion, then you're living on something that's coming in from a five physical senses of the world, not from the heart of the spirit, meaning the spirit of God. Getting the picture? And, and of course, uh, again, bringing these things up, which is my teaching yep. in abiding, uh, it, if we could bring that back up, and that is that your spirit will lead you with your heart. Everybody believes the head is the one that rules. The head is not the one that rules. The heart will change the head. Yeah. See, it starts in the heart and even the scripture that says he channels a man's heart and then what happens when he channels a man's heart, then the mind or the choice is affected. So by channeling a man's heart, he then a man makes a decision because of that channeling yep. from the heart because God speaks to the heart and the heart speaks to the head. Well, Proverbs 17 says, out of the heart flows the issues of life. That's right. Not out of the soul. The, yeah. the heart is the motivator. Like, yeah. The, That's the right. practical example is not many people physically like going to work, but the heart pushes them because they start to realise, well, there's, you know, we need to get bread on the table and it, you know, all those things motivate a person. Yeah. It really mm. makes a distinction. A heart, that does, it starts with desire. If you don't really desire to do anything, you will do nothing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. sometimes your desire to survive overcomes your desire to relax. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So this is uh, just today in our reading, in our personal reading, uh, Pastor, I wanted to say Rob then, but um, the Lord put it into the heart of King Cyrus to rebuild him a house. Now, King Cyrus is a... Gentile, and he's a pagan um, king, but God puts it on his heart to send the Jews back to build him a house. And so God speaks to the heart, and therefore then there's a change because the heart then changes behaviour, changes choice. Yes. It changes will. 
it changes. So instead of then being affected by circumstances on the outside, we're affected by the spirit because that's scriptural. So let me continue with this. Sorry, we need to tell No, you. please, please. I'm reminded of so, creating me a clean heart, yeah. oh God. So it says, I'll continue on. So I, I want to bring out something that's really important about this. So look at the next three circles that represent the soul and the spirit with the overlapping circle of the heart. Yep. Just as the brain is part soul and part body, the heart is part spirit and part soul. Based on its functions, the heart does not seem to be an entity within itself. It contains aspects of both spirit and soul. The world system would have us intertwine our physical body and how it looks into our identity, i.e. our sense of self. Explain that. uh, Let me finish this paragraph and then I will. Because the carnal-minded has his or her attention on the outer things, it factors in the external where it does not belong. From a spiritual perspective, our identity is inward, involving both spirit and soul. So what this means is the world teaches that we get to the heart of who we are based on what input and information we take from the outside in. And this is why we always go on this journey of having to recover heart wounds because we're always trying to do it opposite, the, the odd way. That the Holy Spirit has created. No, we're to take information from the five spiritual senses. We're to input that into our spirit. That's to generate feeling in our hearts. That's to lead to godly emotion in our soul. That's to lead to godly thoughts in our brain. That's to lead to godly physiological responses and actions in our body. It's got to. I just gave you the process. Always. Yep. Be this side. So we take information from the five spiritual senses. Go yep. with me as you watch this image. God inputs that into our spirit because our yes. spirit is alive to his spirit. You That's know, right. we are one in spirit with him. Then from that, that inputs now our heart, which has both soul and spirit. Yep. So this is how I get my soul in alignment with the spirit of God. I let my heart start to feel Okay, because feelings take place in the heart, emotions take place in the soul. But the soul has to be redeemed. Yes. And this is the way it gets redeemed. And this is the way it gets redeemed, but it needs to be. Otherwise, it's working on the other side all the time with the five natural senses. The five natural senses should always work in God. God created the five natural senses and he also created the five spiritual senses. So all must work to this side, whether it be natural or spiritual. But we want the natural to affect the spiritual and it really should be the spiritual affecting the natural. Wow. Yep. So I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, mate, when, when, when the Lord fills someone's heart, I'm going to read it. Give me one second because I'm going to come to it. I want to just quickly debunk this. We just said that the soul has to be redeemed. How does the soul get redeemed? A lot of you think that the soul gets redeemed by changing your thoughts. No. But if you look at the diagram, you have to change the heart to affect the soul. Mm. See, we've been trying to do these things in opposite and reverse direction. We've tried to change our thoughts 
and change our emotions to get to the heart of who we are. And this is really important because it'll get to the real topic of what we want to talk about, but we have to build this this understanding, right? Pastor, I have to keep coming in because you're just unlocking things with me. And that is this has to be renewed. Yes. This has to be redeemed. redeemed. Okay? So something that has to be... heart has to be revived. Yes, revived. Let's go to those two that I said, renewed and redeemed. To be redeemed, it has to be changed in a sense of it sees different priorities. Okay? This one, this needs to be moved out of the way And we need to have a new mind, the mind of Christ. So we're always going to that side, always. So heart and soul, they work together when God has the work where he wants them to work. You see, circumstances tries to come in and have heart and soul work with the outside to do with circumstances, situations, and then emotions and feelings. And and then we don't get the real thing. We get fear, torment. We get anger, you see, because they're not working like they should. You see, those two are for changing us. But going the other way, it's not changing us. It's changing those two. So I want to get to Pastor Tony's point, so I'm going to read this just to give a little understanding. So um, soul, the soul is the place where we experience natural and spiritual input. Before the fall, this was alive to God. So Adam's soul, before he sinned, was alive to God. So he didn't have to take his thoughts captive. He didn't have to, you know, watch over his emotional state and war over it because his soul was totally intertwined with his spirit. Amen. But what happened in the fall was the soul Amen. got separated. So now there's the soul has the ability now to take input from the body and the brain versus just the spirit alone. Mm. Okay, that's really important. So um, uh, yeah, uh, let me finish. The spirit aspect of his being was the main influence on his soul before the fall, i.e. thoughts, emotions, and will. But after the fall, man became flesh. His physical body Here began to dominate his soul. So now man's domination of his soul is not after the five spiritual things. It's after the five physical things. Yep, I He said always it. wants in his soul what he will gain from hearing, tasting, touching, seeing, or smelling. Yep. And that's basically our worldview. Our worldview is based on those five physical senses. So it's kind of an addiction mindset, right? It's important. So until we discover God's given ability to connect with our heart and experience him in our heart, we will never truly know the love of God. All right? This is really important. After a man became a sinner, um, one who missed the mark, Right, His soul was dominated by the flesh. He now viewed and interpreted the world through an intellect that viewed the world from the limitations of five physical senses. Yeah. 
Just think of what that means. He was now seeking satisfaction for which his soul craved that was once experienced with through God, now through the flesh. All right? Those who are in the world, believer or non-believer, believe that they can amass enough money, power, sex, fame to meet a need that can only be met by knowing and experiencing God. All right? So that's why everyone out there, you know, is trying to get more of a taste, more of a touch, more of a seeing. It's all about the five physical senses. And, and it's not. It's not about the five physical senses. This is for but us. Yet yeah. God created the five physical senses for us, but under the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It has to be. Because that's what the devil uses. He uses our five senses against us. And the only other thing that I want to say is the five spiritual senses is the way God wants us to go. Mm. Well, one thing I'm learning is that from the spiritual biology kind of aspect is the five physical senses were there to confirm what our five spiritual senses birthed. So he gave you five physical senses to express and confirm. So if you feel it in your heart so much that it feeds into your soul, that it feeds into your mind, it feeds into your brain, then you will literally taste the goodness of God in your life. Yeah. Not just yeah. in a spiritual aspect, but in a physical, physical. aspect. Yeah. But it's the problem when we try to taste it physically before we taste it spiritually, you know? And yeah. we do that all the time in relationships. We want to taste relationship all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, so why we're talking about this is because the word value now comes into Here it is. being. All right, I'm going to read a really, really challenging statement, but praise God. You need to hear it, those that are in the Everybody service. just breathe it out before he says it. Just breathe it out right I'm now. I'm serious. And again, I'll be going over through this really in detail in the, this is like the final my final lesson. Well, I want to say that Pastor came to me today and he said to me, Pastor Nate, and he said, what do you, is God saying for today for portals? And everything that was going on, I, all the Lord kept saying to me today that God is good. God is good. You know, and God is love, but God is so good. And then he said to me, well, mum, this sounds very similar to what the Lord's been speaking to me about in my course. And so as we sat down and chatted there, Shania, we were on the same wavelength. We were exactly on the same thing. And then after that, we could then talk about what's going on in the world to do with Afghanistan, to do with America, to do with Australia, to do with England and all the other countries, right? Because it's based on God being good. Not our interpretation of what's good. God being good. Do you understand? So there it is, guys. Your interpretation of God being good really will change your understanding. So now we've gone through the science of it. We need to go to a break. 
But uh, when we come back, I'm going to wrap it up and mm-hmm. l- ring it in and I'm going to get Pastor Robin and Pastor Tony to really unlock this because um, it's important to understand that it has to happen in the heart first. Yes. It can't happen anywhere else. It has to happen in the heart and that means we have to have the value system of God over the value system of our interpretation. So we'll go into that when we come back. All right, guys. Strap your seatbelts in. We're getting in to the heart of this subject. Crazy. <laughs> so we want to talk about two things. We want to talk about cro- crooked hearts. Feeding? Pull my feet in. Only because you can see it coming oh, up on the screen. You want to see my, my Nike s- sneakers? Mm. So we want to talk about the crooked heart and we want to talk about um, appreciation versus love. All right? So I'm going to read again. It seems that Jesus dwells, abides in our heart when we are in faith, Ephesians 3.17. Yeah. So I can only meet him there and hear his voice when I'm in faith. Can I just repeat that? You can only hear God's voice when you're in faith. Yeah. So stop trying to hear him with your doubts because he's not going to speak. No. You have to have faith. I have to believe he will honour his word and meet me. I have to believe he will lead, guide, comfort and teach me. I have to believe in what was accomplished at his death, burial and resurrection. Keyword belief. When God speaks in my heart, I will experience deep, subtle feelings and sometimes emotion. Emotions are more a byproduct of the soul, while feelings are more a product of the heart. Here's a key, key thing. My capacity to experience either is somewhat related to the soul. Remember, the soul is the place where input, both physical and spiritual, is experienced and intellectually interpreted. Yeah. So the condition of my heart affects my interpretation of what God speaks. Catch that again. The condition of my heart will affect the interpretation of what I hear when God speaks it. Not the condition of my soul, not the condition of my thoughts, because God's bigger than my thoughts. He can break through, but he needs to get to my heart. Because he speaks to that. We have to see that's the channel. So I'm going to give you a really, really great example. When I read this, it just like convicted me and I fell on my face and started repenting because I'm like, Lord, I've done this many times. So this is called the crooked heart and we all have gone and have had crooked hearts, right? Light represents truth. When truth passes through a prism, it is bent so that it comes out as a colour. Likewise, when truth passes through a crooked heart, it is bent or twisted, which alters the way we understand it. Then we take that understanding and we intellectualize it to make it fit our sense of self. I'm going to say it again. So God speaks the truth. It goes through a heart that's not aligned with his spiritual senses. It's not aligned with his spirit. And so therefore now truth goes through that conduit and it comes out like a prism crooked. So it becomes bent truth. Catch what I'm saying. It doesn't lose its form of truth, but the truth becomes bent. It's not what God spoke. It's because of our interpretation of the truth. Right. So 
this is a really, really great example. I'm going to give you an example, right? At some point, the truth God spoke clearly into my heart enters my soul, and at that time, it is interpreted by my mind. Yep. If I have not renewed my mind to agree with not just God's word, but his principles, values, and logic, I will twist the word that he spoke to agree with my intellect. Yeah. Here we go. Or my interpretation. Or my interpretation. For example, here's the example. God could say to you, build a white house. Yeah. Since you have a dislike for white houses, you only hear from God, build a house. Yeah. Maybe your parents had a brick house with white trim. Now your intellect could say, well, everyone knows that a good house would be made of brick. God would not want me to live in a white wooden house. You have now reshaped your understanding of what God said to fit your intellectual preference or culture. Then suppose there is a brick shortage. Before you get your house completed, there are no more bricks. Now you question God. Why did God lead me to build this house if there weren't going to be enough bricks to finish it? You really do want to please God, but more than anything else, you don't want to be wrong because you can't imagine that God would want you in a wooden house and religion says that God will not love you if you're wrong. So you find a way to rationalize your failure. Mm. You create a doctrine that says God leads you into difficult, painful places to make you grow. After all, haven't I grown through this experience? Oh, this trial. Over time, you find other people who have experienced failures that they can't reconcile with. So you explain your doctrine and now you start a church. Then people hear of your wonderful revelation. They hear of how many people got temporary relief from their pain via your doctrine. Pretty soon, you have a movement. So many people see it the same way. This must be the right way. Get the picture? Yep. This is what we're talking about, crooked heart. So God says to you, build build a wooden house. Because of already, because of your intellect and your mind getting in the way, you haven't gone back to that picture where you've or taken... They, they, or they haven't liked the colour white. Yeah, or they, you haven't taken input from the spiritual senses. You've let your physical senses take over before they've even, you know, gone through the process. You only hear build a house. Yeah. Now Half you build a house... And you think, well, logically, uh, you can't build a house out of wood, so you've got to build it out of bricks. Yeah. So now you start saying, all right, I'm going to build a house, Lord. You told me to build a house. I'm going to build a house of bricks. Then you get to the house and there's no bricks. Pastor, this is your preference coming in. So now you start to blame God because there's no bricks. Well, God, why did you lead me out here to build a house if you're not going to provide any bricks? So this is really powerful because it comes back to the word value. You need to hit that. Yeah, I know you're falling there with it, but people have got to think about it. <laughs> hit it again, baby. While he's doing that, it's your inter- your preference, you yeah. see. Interpretation brings your preference. And here's the key. Here's the key. We know God comes through, but just like human relationships, if we never personally involve ourselves with our benefactor, we will soon lose touch with those positive feelings. Most people, and most people actually feel, what what they feel for God is appreciation. Rarely do I meet people who truly love God. Now, this is a really big question. 
Here it is. All right? Most people, most Christians appreciate God. But love, again, that word in the Greek, love, yeah. means value. And that means so that people won't start turning off. Nope. Okay. Uh, love involves sacrifice. It involves not my will but thine be done. To love God, you lay your life down. Okay. Because he's already right laid his time. down. So that brings about that uh, question that – that um, Amanda had to do with pleasing God. Yeah. Okay, the difference is you can live your life, the next one, and love the Lord. That pleases him. Or you can live your life and please the Lord. Okay? If you love the Lord and please him, you will lay your life down rather than living your life. So what I mean by this appreciation thing is, and I had to question myself on this when I was reading and doing my assignment, do I really place value on God in my life? Because if I place value on God in my life, then it means that God's system of value is priority Higher. above my emotions, Higher. above my five physical senses. And what's really important about that is if 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 I don't <laughs> if I don't appreciate if I more than appreciate Him, this is where the heart right the heart of the matter then it's not a war in those senses. It's not a war in those parts because the heart is right. It's not crooked. So if God says to me, give this up, don't do this, don't go there, my value for the Lord is more than my value for my life. My value for the Lord is more than my value for what I can get out of life. And it's more than my opinion. There it is. Or my understanding or my interpretation. Do, do you understand? It's more. This is the scripture when it says to lay your life down. You're laying your life down. Okay. Some people are literally laying their life yeah, down in, in, in Afghanistan right now. Whether there's others that are playing the other side, it doesn't really matter. There are people and children that are dying and children that are being put into a situation where the enemy is going to come and take them and traffic them, you know, through sex camps and everything else. That's the whole aim of this. Yep. But the thing that spoke to me today, that Pastor read to me today, he read, Mum, did you know what's going on in Afghanistan? And yes, there are people dying, adults. But I heard something else, Shania, and that was... There are children that have said to their parents, 
I won't denounce Christ. That's how much they value him. And so those children are being, well, the parents are being told because they're just, uh, you know, people, local people that are living there and they've lived a different type of life. And some of them are going to have to be martyred now. But those children, the enemy wants to take 12-year-old girls and put them into sex camps as sex slaves. And they've told the parents, they've told the parents, you have those children ready. Don't deny that you've got a 12-year-old child there, a daughter, a girl. I thought we didn't talk about girls and boys. But a daughter, a daughter and... Otherwise, we'll come, kill, come in and kill your whole family. But those girls, they know what's awaiting them. And they said to their parents, come on, guys. They said to the parents, we're not going to deny Jesus. The mother gave them a gun. Father gave him a gun, shoot the, shoot the soldier or shoot yourself. It's Stephen all over again. It's Stephen. Did Stephen value God? Did he? Or did he just appreciate? <laughs> See, this is the key because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart pursues that which it values. You can tell what a person values by how they manage their life. Would you give up your job if that's what it took to follow God? Would you manage your budget differently so that the world could hear the gospel? We all fail. We all have shortcomings. But over time, the accumulation of our decisions reveal what we really value. That's why Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus, He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross or follow after me what it means. is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake we'll will find, find it. it. So the whole culmination of this whole portal is you've, we were, we're always trying to change the things in reverse order. So... Summary statement. You won't change your thoughts. You won't change your thinking. You won't change your outward circumstances until you change what you value. That's right. Because when you value the right things, it won't become a war of your thoughts. Because your heart is set on higher things. Yeah. yeah. Now you go back to that diagram, please, team. If my heart is set on higher things. Let's have a look. Then it can input my soul with higher things. Then my soul can input my mind with higher things. My mind can input my brain with higher things. My brain can input my body with higher things. And everything can be affected on the outside, circumstances, yeah. situations. We want to do it the other way round. 
And this is what the Lord was talking to me about today. Value. So important. What is in your heart yep. that you value? Do you value the love of God? Do you value God himself? Or do you value your interpretation of God? No. Do you, in, yeah. Or do you appreciate? Now, here's the key. When we started tonight, I started off, stop the pettiness that's going on in the church. Yep, here it is. Because it all comes under the heading of my interpretation of how God's going to help me with my little problem of pettiness. And you get these children in Afghanistan valued God above their life. I wonder if they've got anything petty going on. Guys, it's all about value or appreciation. Yeah. It really is. If you love the Lord, then you'll value what he values. Yeah. This is the key. And valuing what he values comes down to the way he does it. Yeah. The way he does it. You mentioned a house. Yeah. We don't have to know every in and out of why he would say build a white house or buy a white house. God is very precise. If he says it, you can be assured there's a reason for it. There's a definite reason. But just be grateful you got a house, let alone white, black, pink or yeah. red. And, and something I'm learning in my counselling to do with relationships is give up control because control robs yeah. you of trust. Yeah. Give it up. You can never trust something if you control it. You it can never trust it if you control it. Hit it. Oh, my God. If you control your version of God's love in your life, you'll never trust that he loves you. You've got to give up your version of it to trust his yeah, version of it. Your interpretation. That's why control is so damaging to relationships because people want to control people and then they say, well, I don't trust you because you have never stopped controlling them. So this is a really big key because when you value what God values, I'm getting this revelation myself even as I'm saying it. Mm. It, it cuts out all of the... All of the chaff, all of the war. You know, we talked about that inner congruence. Yes. This is how you get harmony in yes. all of these parts. Yes. If I value what God values, then man's opinion doesn't matter to me. And I don't have to war with it in my head. But yet, if I only appreciate, okay, Lord, I appreciate you for coming through. But I'm still grappling with my value system because it's really important to me what people think about me. Over what you say about me. Hit because it. your value isn't enough for me. So I just really appreciate your words, but I don't value them. See what we're saying? Love. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all, with your, all soul. your soul, and with all your strength, that yeah. means that you love what he values over what you value. And that means anything to do with life. Yep. Anything to do with, look, there's a lot of things going on right now where people are being persecuted, you know, from family members and all of this kind of stuff. But Jesus says here, 
Take up your cross and follow me. If you don't deny mother or father, you're not worthy of but me. Let's go back to Jesus went through the same thing. Jesus went through the same thing. He was persecuted. Do you understand? He went through the same thing. He had to give up his father and do it the way God wanted it done. But can I really challenge our church, people that are listening? You need to take inventory. If you're still battling with what people think of you, then your value system is not where it should be because you still value the world's five physical senses input more than the spiritual input. This is the war and you're going to constantly be in the war until you get established. Well, how do you get established? You believe in your heart that what God has said is true. You do not doubt it. Remember, we talked about that last week, that scripture. And then when you doubt, you're not valuing. If you doubt it, if a man believes in his heart, when he says to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, but believes that what he has said shall come to pass, it shall be granted to him. So this is harmony between the heart, the belief of the heart, the thoughts of the mind, and the speaking. So the Lord really challenged me with this because... You can't say, you know, I love you, Lord, but then have your own value system of life. Yep. This is really, really crunch time. And when we saw the people in Afghanistan, we, we thought, wow, their value system is right on par. That's why their heart is in the right place. They're not praying for vengeance. They're not praying for retaliation. They're praying the love of God on those that want to kill them. What do you think, Pastor Tony? And our interpretation of that is that we would want vengeance. I had to have a good look at my situation as a pastor today. I looked at it and I thought, how do I feel about what is taking place? Well, as a grandmother, I immediately am stirred that the children are being hurt and damaged and going to be trafficked and whatever else. But I know God loves them more than I do. You see, do you understand what I'm saying? I know God loves them more than I do, you know. So for me to take vengeance, that would be my understanding and interpretation, right, of what's taking place. Do you understand what I'm saying? It hurts me. I'm in pain. I'm praying. I'm praying that in their time, and this is not a cop-out, in their time that they would have a Stephen experience. You know? And when I hear of children... I immediately go to another place. Adults are responsible for their own behaviour and a lot of the time. But children, no. And that's why the devil wants to take out another generation. He wants to take it out so there won't be another generation. But 
I know that God loves them. Mm. And I think every person that gets this vengeance, this retribution in their heart, they actually need to ask why they're getting it. You need to ask because then, to me, Pastor, yep. you're not, they're not, you're not seeing that God loves them. That's it. He's going to have them with him forever and ever. Yeah. Ever and ever. Yeah. And I got to, and you, we have to go through what's going on in this world. And Pastor, they're playing, praying for us because yeah. we're the ones. But to go to that, you know, this speaks to mm -hmm. that. And I want to speak to everyone because the Lord said to me, when you might, because I have to journal on every chapter, I have to write what I get out of it and then. Journal, Lord, what does this mean to me? That's why I love the way that we're learning because it's pra it's not just theory, it's Holy Spirit, you know. But the Lord said to me this. He said, I don't want you getting distracted by getting caught up in the five physical senses of every headline. Yes. To, to, I'm speaking to people to do with what's going on. Because if you do, you'll get into inner strife You'll get into inner vengeance. You'll get into inner sarcasm and cynicism on both sides. Let's be real. Because we could be as... We, just because it's evil doesn't give you permission to be sarcastic about it. And this is where our hearts fall out of alignment. So even in the trial that we're in right now, even in the trial that we're in in New York and in Sydney, Australia, we have to keep the priority of what God values. And if we keep the priority of what God values, we'll see what God's doing yeah. and we'll see how we can participate and partner with it. And what does he value in That's this right. moment? What he's doing in his church. Yes, That's the most important thing to him. Not what's going on in the world, in politics. And I'm going to say it, not even what's going on with coronavirus. It's no, all it's fluff. It's what he's doing in his church. If you wake up every day with that on your mind, you will make it through the day. And if we do that, you said in the beginning, and I totally agree with you, those in Afghanistan would be praying for us because the church is lukewarm. The church is lukewarm. And they believe we're in a worse place than they are. Yeah. Do you think they might have it right? Do you think they might have it right, church? Do you think they might have it right? And so, you know, we should be grateful that God is... You, I don't want to say using the situation to wake the church up, but through it he is waking the church up. He never knew if it was his perfect will for this to happen. I'm sure that's not the case. But what is he doing in it is waking the church up and saying, I know your works, you look warm. I want to spew you out of my mouth. He's not spewing them out of his mouth, but he could spew us out of his mouth. And I'm telling you, you know, we get we're going to get challenged from this moment forth to look at your interpretation of what's going on 
is there value for God or just appreciate what he's doing? And this is the key to making it through. That's what the Lord said to me in my journal. He said, if you value what I'm doing, which is in you individually as the church and corporately as the church, doesn't matter what headline you look at, doesn't matter what fact comes out next that they expose, you'll see as all things are working together for those that love him and they're called according to and his purpose. For right? And they're working together for good. That's that scripture. Because it's very easy right now as Christians sitting back to get caught up in the cynicism of it. Yes. Right? And the, oh, look at this, another thing being exposed, another thing. And I felt my heart starting to do that. And and it's funny because as I was reading this chapter, what I said, sarcasm, it's not even allowed. You can't fight the enemy with sarcasm. It's a tool of the enemy. How are you going to fight it? Satan against Satan. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. So our hearts have to be positioned to hear from a spiritual world. So that means we have to have right heart posture. We can't have crooked heart syndrome. Yep. And that's what we talk about. So that means our value system in our heart has to be aligned with God's value system. What is God doing right now? What's, what's he using the whole world to do? Prepare his church. Yes. Yes. And if we go into every day with that mindset, we've already overcome. And if we, if we and this, this is a really big key, when we look at the world, I, I've uh, been talking to the Lord about this and headlines and what's happening. And when I see headlines, it should lead me back to God. It should never lead me to negative and and the devil. It should lead me back to God. It should. I should only want to know what God is doing. And that's, the, that's valuing because that's putting God above everything even my understanding of it and again i challenge people here's the practicality of it if you know more about the headlines than you do about what god's doing then you need to stop reading the facts and get into your journals and start talking to the holy spirit you should not know more headlines on facebook than have journals in your phone or on your notebook because this is why God is trying to push us into a corner to use the circumstance. You know, Paul said the law was an instructor to teach me. But the law kills. So go to the source of life. So the Lord said to me in my course, he said, how many times have you scrolled today? I said, oh, about, I don't know, 20, 25. He said, how many journals have you had this week? And it's not a performance thing. It's a heart motivation. You said it at the start. What motivates you? See, I'm trying to get to the point where I wake up and the first motivation is to not look at what's going on, yeah. but to speak to the Lord about what's going on and give him that first portion. You know what I'm saying? And I do that because that one of the biggest tools for me is journaling. Well, for you know? me, my day starts that very way because he leads me because I'm an investigator. He leads me. And it's always, okay, God, what are you saying and where are you leading me? And I skip so many headlines. I don't even touch them. And it might take me to something very, very different. And then he starts talking to me about it. Yeah. He starts talking to me. And then he could probably give me more understanding 
than if I read every headline. I do not get moved by these things. I, and that's something I know that's probably because I do value God. I do value him above me. I value him. Yeah, the key, the word that the Lord gave me in our jur- my journal was, Nathan, information should not entertain you. When it starts to entertain you, you're crossing a fine line, yeah. you know? And that's where I, th- I felt my heart was starting to move out of posture because information has been become an entertainment. I'll check out this new video on Telegram. Check out this. Check out this post. Check out this. And if we fall into that, guys, then we're just doing exactly what the mainstream media is doing, but we're just doing it in private because all they do is entertain with information. So the Lord has to posture our heart in a place where our value system is aligned with his so he can speak to us. Remember what the guy said in the start. You can only hear him if you're moving in faith. That is so powerful. I don't know how many times I've gone to God to try and hear him with no faith and then thought, huh, I can't hear you, God. Well, because I had no faith. Praise God. I remember also um, you guys was preaching something similar in Sydney. It was a while back. Um Maybe like a couple months ago, at least, I remember tuning in to a Sydney service and Dr. Robin got on on the end and asked us um, watching how much is God worth it to you? And that question has stuck within me for so long. Like I can't get it out. And I like I immediately felt so convicted and journaled. I remember I don't remember what my journal was about that night, but I remember you asking that question months ago to the Sydney church and I, I watched that night and it was that that question is a very heart-wrenching question no pun intended but it's a serious one especially in the times that we're in and I, I was also hearing the Lord just say like how it robs him where again we give the enemy so much glory for the work that is he's causing or the work that he's doing in this in this whole afghanistan thing and forget to look at god and ask him for his glory and what he's doing and that just uh spoke to me as well because again we want to get like you said jump to the fight and just be like blanket statement like get them out like you know persecute those who's persecuting the church but then we don't honor god for what he's doing and being the good god that he is doing and protecting them i think um I think that a changed heart is more important than escaping a situation. Yeah, so you don't want to cut short someone's trial if God is... Well, they're so like learning... Pa- pastor, <coughs> pastor called me today like she does every day when I'm working. She said, Tony, I'm really concerned about the young women in Afghanistan. So I find myself getting off the phone praying that somehow God would get them out of the situation. And then I felt the Spirit say to me, I don't want you to pray that. Pray him through. Because I've given him the grace to go through it. And and because we, we put life above the will of God sometimes, or in the West most of the time, it gets us out of alignment with God. For instance, 
most people would ask, well, why did Jesus have to go the route of the cross? But there was no other way. That's why he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. So um, I've actually got to go, but um, I really appreciate the fact that you brought out all of this stuff right now because value systems in the West are all over the place. And it's, I want to just help tie it up. You know, we say, keep your eyes focused on the Lord. You know, that's like step one. But the, the role of emotion in the kingdom is so important. So the Lord wants us to move just beyond looking at him to see what he's doing. He wants us to fall in love with what he's doing. Yes. See, not just seeing it and appreciating it from a, from a distance. Yeah. This is what we're talking about. Actually getting involved with the benefactor himself and saying, not only do I see it <laughs> and note it, I love it. But we haven't let our hearts get to that place because when we say, oh, I love what you're doing, that means we have to give up what we think should be done. Yeah. So this is where the kingdom emotion has to play a part because it has to go beyond just seeing it, believing it, to now letting kingdom emotion come up to well up within us to go, yes, Lord, I love what you're doing on the earth today. I love what you're doing in the church today. Now have that's you, going, have we said that? No, that's going to be that a is hard a challenge. thing to see because what you see happening on the, ch- on the world today definitely says uh, don't engage, don't love it, don't appreciate, don't anything it. But... Um, that means then we have to go back and we have to say, and let, let's think about this, uh, is it, are we looking to see God move? Because he is moving. Wow. Because there is no competition between light and, you know, good and evil. Uh, yeah, read the back of the book, by the way. No competition. They won. Who won? He won. He won before the book was written and he won after the last page was read. But uh, that's just something you've got to take a hold of. But the thing is that we have to see that God is moving. If we can't see that God's moving, then we're saying God is not Sovereign and supreme and the greatest, you know. Man is great? No, he's not the greatest. The devil great? No, he's not. Who's great? God is great. He is great. And therefore, I challenge people to say, uh, when you have the attitude of here we go again, it means you can't see God moving in that situation. If you can't see him moving, you're saying he's not moving. You see, when you pray, you've got to believe God is supreme and he heard, but he's not, might, might not going to do it your way, but he's moving. But you would rather say, oh, here we go again. My interpretation of this is I can't see. You're moving, Lord. But he moves. And therefore it's got to be, well, where do we go from here, Lord? 
Let me know. I'm inquiring of you so I can be a part of it. That's the inquiry thing here, which is far more important. You know, far more important. You mentioned also I wanted to speak on the Jews. And you were saying, but do you know God gave them the law to show them they couldn't keep it? He gave it to them to show them that they'll never keep it. They couldn't keep it. And this is what we have to get to. We have to see our values, our interpretation and our appreciation is not God. Why don't we go after God's and then we'll live our life? No. And love the Lord? No. Then we'll lay our life down and find our life. Again, what you're bringing out is it coincides with our, our daily reading today. It was the incident where the woman broke the alabaster jar and poured it over Jesus' head and all the disciples complained about what a waste. Now, they had Messiah right in, the, in their midst and they all claimed to love him. But the moment someone extravagantly spent something on him they said oh that's a waste to the creator (laughs) i mean i won't make a judgment because i've got no idea what i would have responded probably like they did but it showed their heart motive especially judas because judas straight away after that decided well this one's put me over the edge i'm no longer for this guy so here we are fine line between appreciating what God's doing and actually loving what he's doing. doing. See, it's the world that teaches us values. It is the world. You know, everybody's got to live happily ever after. And and it's always got to be fair with God. God is not fair. He's just. He knows best. I don't know how many Christians I hear and know that believe God's got to be fair. That's why we have all this nonsense about good intentions from the heart. That's why, you know, because God is fair. No, God is loving and God is just. Don't question God being fair. He doesn't need to answer that word fair. That's your interpretation of just. That's right. Fear is not a word in the Bible. No, but you hear it with the Christian it's not a word in the Bible. Uh, vocabulary all the time. Oh, no, God's got to be fair in this. If he gives to one, he's got to give to the other. Everybody gets an equal share. No, they don't. Not in the kingdom of God. No. You get what God allocates to you. Mm. And that's, if you want to know, you, you want to use the that. word, that's fair. So let's, let's rein it back in now to something that I think everybody should be confessing this week, which will be a hard challenge. But have you told the Lord that you love what he's doing in you? Yeah. Have you told the Lord that you love what he's doing in the earth? Yeah. Have you told the Lord that you love what he's doing in his church? Yep. That's a challenge right now because the five physical senses say 
input coming in should not produce that emotion. It should be producing another emotion. Yep. But remember, we go back to that graph. The five spiritual senses say, no, 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 no. I see God. I not only see him, but now I'm falling in love with what he's doing. And I say that because that's that term. There's a song that's out by a popular Christian band right now. Very, I won't name them. But I was listening to it on Christian radio and I almost driving. I almost got so frustrated because the song says, I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. And I thought, when are we ever going to get past, I don't know how you'll make a way. What if we could fall in love with the Lord's way so much so yeah, and value never, it that he told us how that, he was going to make a way. That, that we would never make, we should never make that statement. Like it's a good song, but I thought, no, Lord, I can't sing that as a confession over my life because I want to know you so intimately yeah. that you trust me with knowing yeah, how you'll make a way. It's going to the ultimate place. Because that first interpretation is, it's well, You'll just do it anyway. You know, I don't yeah, know how you'll make your a way. Work. You'll do it anyway. And when you want to let me know what to do, I'm here. Like no. there's no, no. intimacy Doesn't in work that. like that, you know. Mate. And um, the next line is probably the better line because it says you've been, you've been faithful in every promise from Eden to Zion. I'm like, okay, I can, I can get on board with that one. But I'm thinking, I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. I'm thinking, I don't want to live my life so on that confession anymore. So it's not, I don't want, I don't. You know, I know you're going to make a way, but I don't know how you're going to do it, right? So what I said in the beginning was, if we have a relationship with him, then we won't question the way he's going to do it. We'll inquire to be a part of it. I want to be a part. I don't want to stumble into these things. I want to be a part of it. But first and foremost, I've got to know he's supreme over anything and everything in this earth, on this earth, above this earth, in hell. He's supreme. Wow. True that. I'd like to get to the point, this will be my last thing, where with that song, when I was driving, I got so frustrated and I said, Lord, I want to get to the point where I value your way so much so that you reveal it to me because I can be trusted with it. Yes. I won't be trusted to try and interpret it my way. I want you to be able to say, Nathan, you value my way above your way so much so that I want to gift you with un- the understanding of how I'm going to move so you don't have to try and guess it you know what i'm saying like and i feel that that's where the lord wants to take especially our church it's not enough to say well you know way maker miracle worker promise keeper that is who you it's are also vague. Right? it's all void of intimacy and relationship we haven't fought for like the last 15 years with all these courses to get back to that confession and it's so important because those confessions will shape the world the realities that we live so i want the lord to be able to say to me no okay i'm taking you deeper not only are you going to know that I'm a way maker, but the way maker is going to trust you with the way. Yeah, and that's good. Hit that three times. Trust you with the way. It really comes down to us, you know. Um, I I think I taught yada times and the different ways we come in. 
And the ultimate one at the end is that we are so together, so intimate with one another that you don't even have to use words. You know and he knows. And that makes you the one with him. Just like a husband and wife, they've been married 60, 70 years. They are so much in spirit with one another, in communion with one another. They finish each other's sentences. Wouldn't it be good if we, God would allow us to finish his sentence? Hit that three times. We've got to be on the same page first. Got to value what he values. I call it LDS, lazy bride syndrome. That's what it is. Because he's not coming back for a lazy bride. After all these years, I think he's coming back for a, a, a church that knows him so much so that he can't do anything but come back and take them and, because he wants and, to be with them that and much. That, and that means because he not only knows them, he loves them so that he wants them. That's where the scripture comes in. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. If those people die for their love of God in Afghanistan. He's not saying what we're saying on this earth. Oh, get them, get them quickly. Somebody get over there and get a a, a plane and get them all out. No, he's actually saying, hey, they're coming home. Precious, precious, precious are the sight, my sight for these loved ones of mine. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. And you know what? We choose, we didn't choose not to be martyred. He chose. We have a different path, but it will be just as strong. It'll be just as strong. Okay? Because I can tell you, this is the way our God is. It's not fair. It's not equal. It's justice. And this is the key. So, easy to say? Are those that are facing it? No, it's not easy. But they're going home. And I pray, my part to pray, is that they have a Stephen experience say something I don't think she can say something I'm thinking of that song anywho well guys this has been a very sobering portal powerful but this is also a challenging one to look forward to. Uh, I was saying this to Portals, uh, saying this to someone and describing how Portals operate. I said Portals is the, op- the, the advance or the higher emotion that we can look forward to getting to if we're not there yet. So it's no condemnation if you're still working through it, but this is hopeful to look towards to, to know that we can get to know our God that intimate um, in relationship and not be fooled by the enemy or the world to say he's distant or apart from us. 
So in saying that, can I just say one more yes, thing the may. Lord just said? In the end, the disciples valued yes. him so much, mm. they wouldn't even allow their death to be like his. And the reason being, there's only one death. That's the death that he paid the price on Calvary for. Others wanted to be not like him so that no one would look at them and compare upside down, in a tree, whatever. But I tell you, Pastor, only Jesus paid the ultimate price for death. He did for that we might live. And that's what we should be valuing. And Pastor, um, last thing that I'll say is, I said last week in the portal, he's not having a relationship with your accolades or your accomplishments. And the Lord said to me, he said, when you get to heaven, you get the crowns, right? He said, but when you get to heaven, you're my crown. And Amen. by me getting you, Amen. that's the crown that I get. And that's the one that I have relationship with. So what's more important to me is what I do inside of you than what I do outside of you. And that really started to solidify in me. I need to value what God values. I need to value what he's doing he in me. He values his son. Yeah, I need to value what he's doing in me because I'm the crown that he receives. And he values his son's work on the cross. And so when he looks at us, he wants to value that work in us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's why I'm putting, putting your mic down. Or no, you no, keep no. Going? It's amazing what the Lord I love does. it. It's, it's great. Well, guys, there's plenty to chew on. And, um, oh, the other thing. put the hearts up. Okay. As you guys are giving Dr. Robin hearts on Facebook, Spotify, don't take it all in at once, okay? <laughs> take it in portions. However, it's a layered thing. But, again, this is something we can all look forward to, um, the value in it. It's, it's valuable to sit through this and listen to it all to digest it. But until the next time, bye-bye now.